Well, amen. My heart's been blessed already this morning, and let's get our Bibles open. Luke chapter number 3, as we continue in the book of Luke this morning. Um, I love that good singing and appreciate it this morning. Luke chapter number 3, and we'll read verses 15 through 20 this morning. The Word of God says this, And as the people were in expectation, and all the men mused in their hearts of John, whether he were the Christ or not, John answered, saying unto them all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I cometh, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to unloose. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor. He will gather the wheat into his garner, but the chaff he will burn with fire unquenchable. Many other things in exhortation preached he unto the people. But Herod, the tetrarch, being reproved for his Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, and for all the evils which Herod has done, added yet this above all, that he shut up John into prison. Let's pray this morning. Father, we love you, and Lord, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us. Lord, I thank you that you have a boundless love for us. God, I thank you for your grace and your mercy this morning. Lord, I pray as we preach a message this morning that sometimes can be a hard one for us. Lord, I pray that you just help us to think. I pray that you would motivate us this morning, uh, Lord, to Lord, just be a witness, Lord, to show love to a lost and dying world. God, I pray that your word would speak to us and would help us. Lord, we love you. We thank you for our church. Lord, I thank you for this day. In your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. I'm going to dive right in this morning. If you look at your Bibles, verse number 15 and the people were in expectation, and all men mused in their hearts of John whether he were the Christ or not. We saw uh, just last week and the last couple of weeks, John the Baptist come on the scene. And he's beginning to baptize people on each side of the Jordan River. He's seeing great things done. Literally, uh, by all accounts, over 100,000 people is what most believe. Uh, even some will say up to 300,000 that John had been baptizing. People were confessing their sins, getting saved by the grace of God, and being baptized in the Jordan River. Um, as you can imagine, that type of, uh, of movement of God in this earth, man, people were looking to John and wondering, and that's what it says here in verse number 15. Man, is John the Messiah? Is John the promised one? They'd been expecting the Messiah to come, and here they are wondering if he is the Messiah, and they literally ask him, are you the Messiah? It says here, whether he were the Christ or not. And look what John answers them in verse number 16. John answered, saying unto them, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I cometh, the latchet of whose shoes I'm not unworthy to unloose. He shall baptize you with Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor, will gather wheat into his garner, but the chaff he will burn with fire unquenchable. So John here answers them. They say, John, are you the Messiah? And he says, listen, I baptize you with water, but there's one that's coming that is greater than me. There's one coming that is mightier than me. Let me just stop on a side note here and just say this. Any preacher worth his salt doesn't point people to himself. He points people to the Lord. John here could have, man, he's seeing thousands of baptized. He's seeing all this stuff happen. These people are asking if he's the Messiah. And what does he do? 
He humbles himself and he says, listen, this isn't about me. Hey, there's one that's coming that's greater. There's one that's coming that's mightier. He could have taken credit. He says, I'm not even worthy to to kneel down and to untie his shoes. Man, many probably would have taken credit. Man, he had seen these thousands baptized, yet he says this, there's one that's mightier. There's a mighty name. Hey, there's one that's coming that's different than me, that's greater than me. There's one that I can't even untie his shoes. Man, there's one that's coming that's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. There's one that's coming, and this isn't necessarily always good news. We're going to talk about this in a little bit. That's going to baptize you with fire, and there's going to be a separation that comes. Look at verse, verse number 17. Whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor, and he will gather the wheat into his garner. But the chaff he will burn with fire unquenchable. He says, John says this, there's going to be this fire, this purifying fire. This chaff will be burned up. And by the way, the fire of the Holy Spirit and of God in our lives, it's a purifying power. It's a transforming power. But what's happening here in verse number 17 is this. John says this, there's going to be this division of that which is truth and that which is false. And look at verse number 18. Many other things in his exhortation preached he unto the people. Now I wish it was recorded here, these other things, because whatever he was saying here, it ends up ticking Herod off, okay? He is, uh, John is this bold, he's going to say what he believes, and he's going to say what he thinks. So he's warning of this coming judgment. He's preaching the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ. Look at verse number 19. Look what happens here as John's preaching. But Herod the Tetrarch, being reproved by him, talking about John the Baptist, for Herodias, his brother, Philip's wife, and for all the evils which he had done. So what's John doing here? By the way, he ends up getting his head chopped off, all right? And he doesn't get his head chopped off for just being this preacher that's trying to please everybody. He's speaking the truth. What Specifically here, what he was calling out, we're not going to like this this morning, but what he was calling out was he had called out Herod Antipas for his, his, his immoral relationship with his half-brother's wife who happened to also be his niece. John is calling out the sexual sin in the political leader's life of his day. So let me just say this for just a minute this morning for those of us, and sometimes I even fall guilty of this, is, man, we want to we kind of ignore what's going on in our world. We want to kind of ignore the immorality. We want to try to ignore what we're getting comfortable with. And we're going to talk about this a little bit. John was a bold preacher that said, hey, Herod, you don't like the message that I'm preaching, but I've got to preach truth. I've got to stand for truth. And he gets personal with Herod, and Herod ends up, look what, what happens in verse number 20. Added yet this above all, that he shut up John in prison. So John is preaching. He's seeing people saved. Listen, he's seeing God do some amazing things, but he's preaching truth. And let me just say this, as much as we want to, as much as we want to make it acceptable, the message of the gospel, it will never be acceptable to the world. You can't pretty it up enough to where they're going to like it. Man, you can't force those that are far from God living in immorality. You can't force them to like it. Man, I wish we could. I wish we could make it where everybody liked the message of the gospel. Don't you? Man, I wish when we stood for truth that everybody would just accept it. But just like in John's day, when we stand for truth and when the truth is preached, there's always going to be some 
that not only reject it, but that just straight up hate us and hate the Lord and hate God's messengers for what they are preaching. Man, leaders do not, political leaders then don't like people standing for truth. They don't want, they don't want, they didn't want John the Baptist to have a voice. Man, you know why? Because he had influence over thousands of people. Man, it's almost like, it's almost like these leaders in in the New Testament, as you're going to see all through the book of Luke, had so much pride that when anyone preached Jesus, listen, they don't like the message that Jesus is mightier than the king. Today, they don't like the message that Jesus is mightier than than the king of the world and the king of self. That always brings problems. That always brings headbutting. That always brings disagreements. They don't like this idea, and nobody does it, doesn't know the Lord, that there's going to be a separation of the chaff and the wheat. That is not politically correct because what we're taught and what we hear and what we're being indoctrinated is, is everything's okay, everything's acceptable. Hey, we can just go through life, do anything we want, live any way we want and, and and it just hey that's just life that's just how it is and listen there's nothing farther from the truth this morning I want to give you three things that we can take away from this text I didn't know what else to title this this morning but this a not so popular message John was preaching one that wasn't popular and I want to give you three things just practically for us from this short amount of verses this morning that we've got to understand as a church we've got to understand as people that follow Jesus this morning in the world that we live in Number one, I think of John's life. Right here, he's thrown, he's thrown in prison for call, he's thrown in prison not for preaching the gospel necessarily, but for calling out Herod. He ends up, we're going to see in a couple, a couple verses down the road, he ends up getting his head chopped off because he stands for truth and, and he stands for what's right. And I just want to remind all of us this morning, the world we live in, especially number one, standing for truth and doing right is going to cost you. Standing for truth and doing right is going to cost you. By the way, when you preach verse by verse through the Bible, don't you wish every sermon was a hallelujah sermon? I do. I wish every sermon was a glory sermon. i got some friends, that's all they preach. I told them they need to start preaching the Bible. Somebody help me this morning. I wish every sermon felt good. I wish every message, man, I, I wish, and, and listen, every message is for the glory of God and is for the gospel's sake, but sometimes truth hurts. And I'm just telling you, in the world that you and I live in, and the way things are headed in our culture, Listen, we are gonna listen, it's gonna cost us standing for truth. John standing against the sexual immorality in the life of a political leader, it costs him. It ends up getting it costs him his life. Standing for truth in our culture is gonna cost us. Our culture, as we look about it, and if you're with us at all, we don't preach political sermons, we preach Bible sermons, but sometimes Bible sermons end up being political in some people's minds. The world we live in, they're trying to normalize things, even for Christians this morning, that aren't normal and aren't biblical. And I find myself sometimes starting to accept things that I never would have accepted just because of the indoctrination that goes on in our world. There's things now that we see on television, we see on entertainment, and we see, and this is why this isn't such a popular message this morning, we see that at one time would have appalled us, and now it's just not that big a deal. At one time, I remember, I remember time me and Sarah were in the movies one time, and I know Baptist preachers in the back of the day didn't go to the movies. We do. I'm sorry. Okay. I remember being in the movies. Something come up and get up and we would walk out. But after time, what ends up happening? I mean, even, we, even us as Christians, followers of Jesus, we start getting used to it because it's, it's, it becomes the normal in our culture. Let me just say this this morning. No matter how things get normal in our culture, they should not get normal in the life of a follower of Jesus if it goes against this book. 
I mean, I think of one, and I'm thankful Mamie's ministry here this morning, but one of the ones in our, our world that we see all the time that's being pushed, and there's been a lot of battles over, and it's a biblical issue that we're going to have to stand on, and it being sanctity of life Sunday. Is this abortion? I mean, the murdering of, of innocent children. I mean, it's a heartbreaking thing to think about. Psalm 139 says this, just in case you wonder what the Word of God says. For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me, In my mother's womb, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works. My soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee. When I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth, thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And the book and all my members were written, which continuance were fashioned, when as that they were yet none of them, fearfully and wonderfully made in your mother's womb. Here's another one. Jeremiah chapter number 1. We know the verse. You know it? Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee and ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. I I can't even help about our text two weeks ago. It was was Elizabeth that goes to visit Mary, and John is in Elizabeth. What did John begin to do as she came in? What did he do as, as they came in contact with? Begin to jump up and down. Listen, can I just say this? This is one of those truths, and I know this isn't popping in our culture. I'm not trying to be mean. I know good people make mistakes. But it's something that over time they try to normalize in our lives and it becomes acceptable. It doesn't, it doesn't become a big deal in, in, to us anymore. Let me just say the murdering of innocent babies is a spawn in the pit of hell. It's something we must stand against. Standing for truth will cost us because we have friends, we have family members, we have co-workers that don't understand that. Now I'm not talking about being mean. I'm not talking about arguing with every single person. Unfortunately, uh, Christians have been such jerks sometimes. It, it makes it, there's this fine line between standing for truth and love and being a jerk. Is everybody track with me here this morning? But when the Bible says something, it doesn't matter how we feel. It doesn't matter what somebody else says. It doesn't matter what our culture says. We must stand for truth. Another one that I wrote, and that's one that might cost us. Here's another one I wrote down that I, this one will cost us in the day we live in. I'm just telling you, this next one will cost you if you're going to stand for truth on this next one. The biblical family. Your head has to be in the sand if you don't believe the biblical family is under attack. And after a while, what happens, guys? We begin to start accepting things because the culture accepts it. Good people make mistakes. Good people get in marriages maybe that they shouldn't have got in. And end up divorced. The Bible's against divorce. We preach that. I know there's good people, great people, sinners, how my voice have been through it. God shows grace. God shows love. But the Word of God says it. I mean, how about this? The roles of husbands and wives and men and women in the Bible is very clear. Our culture has tried to change it. It's going to co- If you try to stand up for this one, I'm just telling you right now, it will cost you in our society. The roles of men to lead and to provide. By the way, I said it a couple weeks ago, a godly woman will follow a godly man who is serious about it. By the way, men, a godly woman wants you to lead. If you get serious about it and she sees you on your knees praying and she knows you're the real deal, listen, she will follow you. The role of men, can I just say this? And, I, and I'm, not trying to, I'm not trying to be mean this morning, but we have, a, we have an issue of toxic passivity going on in our world. We just float through, everything goes, everything's okay, nothing matters. Can I just say this? It's about time some of us fulfill the role that God called us to fulfill, and that's first of all to be the spiritual leader in our homes, men, to be the one that decides over my dead body are we not at church, over my dead body are we not serving the Lord. Is everybody tracking me here? That's what God's called us to do as men. We don't have to be what culture. If you watch your your average TV show, they want to show men as weak. 
That's what they want to show him as. They want to show Jesus as some hippie that had no strength, no honor. Listen, we're living in a world and we're seeing a world of weak men, aren't we? Would anybody agree with that? Man, everything goes. Listen, we, you want to stand for biblical manhood? Man, there's going to be some people that fight it. If you want to stand for the roles of women that God created in the Scripture to love and to lead and to pray and to teach and to support, and we don't like this word, and to submit, man, people think you're nuts. Men and women, now don't get me wrong, are absolutely and unequivocally equal. This is not talking about worth. It's, talk, or it's not talking about intellect. It's talking about God's plan for leadership and functionality. But we don't even like to talk about that during church. You can hear a pin drop in here this morning. Because standing for truth, listen, it costs us. We don't like it. It's uncomfortable because of the way that we've been taught and how we're being indoctrinated. How about this one, the role of children? To obey their parents. We live in a world where kids know nothing about respect. Nothing about obedience. Children, obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. Hey, it's in the Word of God. Some of us as parents, can I just say this? I'm going to move on because some of y'all are mad at me and our attendance is going to go down, but that's cool. Listen, just being honest, some of us let little Susie and little Johnny run the home. Whatever they want, they decide where we eat. They, is anybody awake in here? They decide where we go. They decide. I wish my dad would have been that way. Somebody helped me this morning. I didn't even know I could make a decision until about 24. Talk back. Huh? Can I just say this, moms and dads, some of us, and you can't, if you let it go for so long, you can't just go back like a, and take it all over. But can I just say this? Listen, we, we, moms and dads, you were the mom and dad. You were the leader of your home. Don't let some little kid determine if you're going to church. Don't let some kid decide what you're going to watch. Don't let some little kid, is anybody awake in here this morning? Listen, when we stand for truth, some of us can't even do it in our own homes. We can't even stand up in our own homes. We say no to them, and it means nothing. All I'm saying is this, when we start looking at real biblical roles and what God wants and we stand for truth like that, see, that's even uncomfortable for us to talk about this morning because it goes against what our culture says. Man, I hope that we can be a church. I thank God for strong leaders. Man, I thank God for strong men. I thank God for strong women. We saw a couple of them testify last week of what God's doing in their ministries. Listen, but we've got to understand God has a plan. God has a way that things happen. When we stand for the biblical family in our culture, it's going to be attacked. Listen, that type of truth is going to be torn down. It's going to be mocked, and eventually, I'm just telling you, there's going to be persecution about it. How about this one in our culture? John was standing against just this incest and this messed up stuff going on. He ends up in jail. How about this one? Heterosexual marriage is ordained by God. Anything outside of that is not marriage and is not God's plan. doesn't matter what culture says. Now, we don't listen. We don't hate people. We love them. Man, the gospel changes lives, and I'm thankful for that this morning. But we can't start getting comfortable and start accepting everything that's going on in our world. Genesis chapter number 3 still says this, And the rib which the Lord God hath taken from man made he woman, and he brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she's taken out of a man. Listen, therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. That's biblical marriage this morning. That's God's plan this morning. What we're seeing in our culture already, and I, I haven't gone to this text since, I, I don't, since I've been here, I don't think, but Romans chapter number 1, if you have your Bibles, let's turn there real quickly. 
Romans chapter number 1. Let me just show you this progression in Scripture. Romans chapter 1 and look at verse number 18. In these first couple of words, we don't even like to talk about. And we're going to talk about some of this this morning because it's a message that needs to be preached. Verse number 18, the first four words we don't like. For the wrath of God. God is a God of grace. God is a God of love. God is a redeeming God. But He's also a God of judgment and justice, okay? For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven, look at this, against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold not, what is it? The truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God has showed it unto him. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Man, he's given us that general revelation in the world. Not that saving revelation, but that general revelation. When we look around that we can see, man, there is a God. All right, look at this, verse 21. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. And look where this whole progression starts. Because sometimes we like to jump to the end. Look where it starts. Neither were they what? Starts with that. Being ungrateful. Neither were they thankful. But they became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart darkened. Man, if this isn't a picture of our world, look at verse 22. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. And changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into the image made like to corruptible man, into the birds, into the, the footed beast, and the creeping things. Wherefore God gave them up to uncleanliness through the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies within themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie. And this is where we live today and worshiped and served the Creator more, or, or the creation and the creature more than the Creator. And we could go on and on and on about this. All I'm trying to say to us this morning is this real quickly as we are seeing this in our culture. And we've got to lovingly stand for truth in the day that we live in. Standing for truth, I'm just telling you, it's going to cost you some friends. It'll cost you some family members. Man, it'll cost us church members at some point. Cost John his freedom and and eventually his life. But can I just say this? If the Word of God says that we must stand there, we can do no other. Doesn't matter what culture says. Doesn't matter what politics says. Doesn't matter how it makes us feel. Listen, standing for truth is going to cost us, but we need to stand for it. The second thing that John was preaching, and this is hard because we don't talk about it a lot and we don't like to. Not only will it cost us, but the second thing we must realize is judgment is coming, both earthly and eternally. Somebody asked me, preacher, especially in our country, I'll get this question, do you think judgment's coming to America? Judgment is already here. It's already here. If you turn, and I don't recommend you turn on the news, but if you do, the stuff we're seeing in our schools, the stuff we're seeing in our lives, the stuff we're seeing in our culture, the things that are paraded, they take the minority, and I don't mean racially, the minority even in, uh, in, in the, the kids in here, I don't want to go too far in this, but even in our choices of how we're going to live in our intimate lifestyle, they take the minority and it has the loudest voice and that's shoved down our throats every stinking day. You can't walk into Target, you can't turn on the television, you can't go into a coffee shop, you can't look at a billboard. Is everybody track? Y- y'all know where I'm at with this? That's judgment already. That's what we're seeing. It's judgment on our country already. There's an earthly judgment. Listen, study history. When nations turn against God, guess what always happens? Judgment falls on that nation. Man, we're already seeing that. But here's what I really want to talk about. This is what John was preaching. There's eternal judgment. 
We don't hear a lot of preaching about this anymore. The first thing that I think of, the first judgment that I think of is that great white throne judgment in Revelation chapter number 20. Those whose name are found written in the book of the life, guess where they're going to spend eternity? In hell. Those who have not trusted, those that do not know Jesus. And people say, well, God's a God of love. And yes, He is. And I have this question asked, why would God allow anybody to go to hell? My question to them is this, why would He allow anybody to go to heaven? Do you know God spoke more about hell than he did heaven? Jesus spoke more about, get, go study it. In Luke 16, he describes a great chasm over which none may cross from there. Listen to him without Jesus Christ. In Matthew 25, Jesus tells of a time when people will be separated into two groups, one entering into his presence, the other banished to eternal file fire. Jesus does not only reference hell, he describes it in great detail. He says it's a place of torment in Luke 16, an unquenchable fire in Mark 9, where the worm does not die in Mark 9, where people gnash their teeth in anguish and regret in Mark 13, from which there is no return. And we're even to love, uh, we're even to warn our loved ones in Luke chapter 16. He calls it a place of outer darkness in Matthew 25, comparing it, listen, to that, 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 that valley of death. Listen, which is a trash dump outside of the walls of Jerusalem where rubbish was burned and maggots abounded. Jesus talks more about hell than he talks about heaven. He describes it more vividly. There's no denying that Jesus knew, believed, listened, and preached on the reality of hell. Somebody said, well, why do we do this? And why do we have church so much? And why do we believe in this? And let me just say this this morning, because there is a hell. And I just want to say this, God's sovereignty does not negate human responsibility. We've been given a commission, listen, to make disciples and to reach people. And hell is real. People that die without Christ spend eternity in hell. And that ought to move us once again. That ought to bring a tear to our eye once again. That ought to burn inside of us once again. But we become complacent in the American Christianity. We don't believe in judgment. We don't believe there's coming a day where the chaff and the wheat will be separated. My friend, I'm here to tell you this morning, it's just as real as it was when Jesus preached about it. And I know that's hard preaching this morning. I know that's not a popular message this morning, but there's a great white throne judgment coming and every person who's not written in the Lamb's book of life will spend eternity separated from God. Then for those of us that follow Jesus, there's a judgment coming called the Bema Seat Judgment. I'm in that reward place. I'll just read you a couple uh, verses about it this morning and we'll move on. 2 Corinthians says, For we, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And everyone may receive... The things done in his body, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Romans 14, 10. But why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why is that said and not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. 1 Corinthians 10. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or stubble, listen, Every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day, that day of the Lord, shall declare it. Because it now it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work, what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. I just want to say this this morning, in light of God's judgment, I want to encourage you to witness to those in your life that don't know Jesus. Aren't you thankful that He still makes a difference and He still changes lives and He's full of grace, He's full of compassion. Just as much as He's full of judgment, He's full of love. And that's the great pendulum this morning. 
but his wrath will come. In light of God's judgment, we are to do good with the right motive to move forward for the cause of Christ. I mean, if you've already trusted him, this is the good news of the gospel. We can, embrace, we can embrace his grace and trust in his righteousness this morning that's been imputed to us. Man, that saving grace. And aren't you thankful for that this morning? Three things this morning from this text. First of all, doing right and standing for truth will, will cost us. Secondly, is judgment coming. Then I really love this one. We need to think about this morning. Number three, what did John say about Jesus? Man, he's one that's mightier than I. You know what he was saying? There are some things that only Jesus can do. You know, there's some things that John couldn't do. There's some things that no man can do. There's some things that, 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 that only Jesus can do. You know, there's only one that can save this morning. It's Jesus. Romans chapter 3, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood, to declare the righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say, at this time His righteousness, He might be just and the justifier of Him which believe in Jesus. You know, there's a lot of names that can help you when you're in trouble. If I get in trouble, i got a lawyer I'm going to call. Somebody help me this morning. Somebody say, what kind of lawyer you have? Well, he ain't a good Christian, but he's a great lawyer. Somebody help me this morning. Man, I, my lawyer can help me. Man, you know, there was times in my life as a young man when I got in some trouble, my daddy could help me. Call daddy, he could help me. Man, there's people that can help you with difficulty. You know, there's a lot of names that can help you in sickness. Man, there's some people you can go see when you're sick. There's a lot of names that may be able to help you financially. If you know any of those, let me meet them. Somebody help me this morning. But you know, there's only one Name this morning that can help you with salvation. It's the name of Jesus. It's the only name that saves this morning. Some of us sometimes we look, we look in others, in other places, and other people to do something that only Jesus can do in our lives. And I've been guilty before is looking to another preacher to do something that only Jesus can do. And I've been guilty before of looking for a church to do something in my life, in my heart, that only Jesus can do. And I know people who look in a relationship to do something in their life that only Jesus can do. To fulfill, they think it's going to bring some sort of fulfillment. It's going to bring some sort of saving grace. I mean, if I just had a little bit more of this, or if I could do a little bit more of this, or maybe John can help me this, or if I'm delivered from this sickness, all through the New Testament you find that. If, if I was delivered from this sickness, then no, listen, there's some things that only Jesus can do. If you try to save yourself, can I just tell you this morning, that ain't going to work. You can try to save someone else, it ain't going to work. There's only one name that can save, and it's the way, the truth, and the life this morning. I love John 3.16, don't you? Simple verse, for God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I love this. For God sent not a son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth is condemned already, because he hath not believed on the name of the Son of God. Listen, I just want to tell you this this morning. I don't know why you're here. I, I, if I had to guess, man, I, I spent this week, me and Coleman had multiple meetings this week with people that are just hurting just going through life. Man, I, I talked to one fellow just recently that was just looking for peace in all these different places. And that's what the world many times does, screams out, man, we need help, and we want peace. And if all these things were right in my life, man, I would just have, if these circumstances would just fall into place. Y'all, listen, church, listen to me this morning. Only Jesus and a relationship with Him can fulfill in your heart what you're looking for this morning. That's it. More money, can I just tell you, it's not going to fulfill it because you're just wanting a little more. Listen, more, more religion. 
Hey, it's not going to fulfill it. Only Jesus can. More relationships. Listen, more experiences. And listen, the only thing this morning that's going to bring you true satisfaction in your walk with Jesus is Jesus. People are going to disappoint you. Friends are going to disappoint you. Your spouse, may, they can't do it. The only one that can is Jesus. And listen, that relationship with Him, I just want to encourage you. Maybe you're here this morning, you feel empty. You've been in church forever. Man, I want to encourage you this afternoon and tomorrow morning, go into the presence of your King and of your Savior and of your Lord. Hey, and open up this old blessed book and say, God, I want you to speak to me this morning. And God, I need to fill you in my heart once again. And Lord, I need you to burn once again. The problem, I believe, isn't that all those we talked about in, in Romans chapter number 1. I believe the problem starts in here when we become cold and we become indifferent and the songs about the blood don't move us anymore. And the fact that He saved us in spite of us doesn't move us anymore and it's been a long time since a tear ran down our face thinking about the goodness of God we've just gotten stinking used to it and I just want to encourage you this morning don't get over it hey don't quit on him he never quit on you I'm thankful this morning that even when I wasn't looking for him he was looking for me and he looked down out of heaven and he saw my depravity and he saw my sin and he saw my problems but God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us. He loves you. Listen, He loves you this morning. And that ought to burn in our hearts. John stood on that bank at Jordan with thousands coming to the Lord. He didn't give a flip what Herod said. He didn't give a flip what the culture said. He didn't give a flip what anybody else said. Because he knew his king and his savior and his sword, listen, was looking down and giving him the stamp of approval. Not because of who John was, oh my goodness, but because of who he was, the one that's mightier than I this morning. Maybe you've gotten a little sidetracked. I wasn't planning on preaching like that this morning. Maybe you got a little away from him. Here's the good news. The moment that I turn around and I start down that road, man, the Father's waiting with His arms open wide. Listen, I just want to encourage you. Maybe that fire don't burn like it once did. Ask Him to light it again. Maybe that relationship's gotten a little dry. And ask him, Lord, I love you. Forgive me. It's amazing what he'll do in your heart this morning. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Let's stay on our feet. Matt's going to sing. There'll be some counselors at the front. If you need somebody to pray with this morning.